We brought you damn good beer. Now we're delivering to you damn good beef. So damn good that you can now get Wagyu beef at the DNVR bar. That's right. We couldn't resist putting this damn good beef in the bar. You all can now come down, build your own delicious Hassle Cattle Wagyu beef burger, add all the toppings you want, and enjoy the watch parties with the finest beef. Hassle Cattle is now offering DNVR listeners a buy three, get one free on their flank steaks. These delicious steaks are lean and very flavorful. They should be thinly sliced against the grain when carving, and they're an ideal choice if you're looking to marinate. These steaks are already super affordable at $9.99, and now you can buy three and get one free. Use the code DNVRFLANK at checkout. That's D-N-V-R-F-L-A-N-K. No spaces at checkout uh, for your buy three, get one free offer. Um, if you haven't heard, Hassle Cattle Company is the absolute best source for farm-to-table Wagyu beef in the country. That's a fourth-generation cattle farm out of Texas, and they ship all over the United States and straight to your door. They call their beef the blue-collar Wagyu because it's the best damn Wagyu that every man or woman can afford. A Hassle Cattle Company offers Wagyu spoke sausage, New York strip, beef bacon, Wagyu frank without any fillers, two jerky flavors, original and sweet and spicy. Their hamburger won Food Network's Northeast Burger Jam. Uh, not only do we love their beef, the country loves their beef. They, uh, they, they take their registered bulls, they breed them with Angus cows, and gives you a very high prime product. Um, no antibiotics, no hormones. Uh, you can check out all their products at hasslecattlecompany.com. That's H-A-S-S-E-L-L cattlecompany.com. And you can use the code DNVR10 for 10% off your order. So take your pick between that code for 10% off or your DNVR flank code to get buy three, get one free flank steaks from Hassle Cattle Company. Bam. We love it. Hassle Cattle, best in the biz, blue collar Wagyu. That is what we are all about. Welcome back to the DNVR Draft Podcast presented by DraftKings Sportsbook. We've got a small crew today. Dre is off doing business things. We got some things in the works, but I'm Justin Michael. I'm here with Hank. I'm here with Jake. We are going to have a little bit of off-season fun. It's a new era of Broncos football, the George Payton era, no longer the Elway era, which we all got, you know, so comfortable with. So we're going to go through, we're going to talk about some of the best picks, some of the worst picks from the John Elway era. And then we're going to do the same thing with George Payton and the Minnesota Vikings and just kind of compare, contrast, get a feel for how they've done over the last decade. Maybe, you know, go down memory lane a little bit, talk about some fun games, some fun players. Again, this is the off season. So we're having a little bit of fun. Hank, Jake, how you guys doing? Well, yeah. Uh, without Dre here, it's kind of like uh, the substitute teachers in in uh, class today. You know, we get to just kind of hang out, have fun, and uh, try not to cause too much ruckus, right? Yeah, movie. Day. I want to be causing the ruckus. <laughs> this is where I get to let all my worst takes out because Dre's not here to. <laughs> I know. I was I was even preparing like so. So we're doing like this Broncos thing. Um, where it's like, who, which which was the best pick of the Elway era each round? And round one, I wanted to find somebody to fight about with Vaughn. So like, yeah, Vaughn was the best, but at number two overall, there just really isn't anybody you can say like, well, this guy at number 25, that's a better pick. That's better value, which is too bad, but I'm, I'm, I'm looking for problems today. Somewhere Dre is cringing just by the 
by the Hanks that, or the, the takes that Hank was concocting up in his dome. He has a sixth sense for it. He knows when they're coming. You can, when we're recording this over Zoom, we can like see each other and you can see it building in his face. Just the frustration with both me and Henry. He's like our dad or older brother, like however you want to phrase it. We're, we're here to get under his skin and it's a lot of fun, but we miss him. Um, we should, we should add that, you know, we are going to omit Von Miller just because like, he's clearly the greatest first round pick. There's not a whole lot to talk about. Um, so we'll just go by year through year and we'll start with 2012. Um, who wants to go first? I mean, they started things off with Derek Wolf in the second round. The Broncos didn't have a first round pick. They had two second round picks and they used them on Wolf and Osweiler. Interesting to say the least with the whole Brock thing, but. I mean, those are those are pretty good picks, all things considered. Like, Wolf had a great career. Osweiler, you know, he panned out. I mean, I think both of those are solid. I mean, Osweiler's worth it just for his 2015 stretch alone, right? Save the season, basically. That yeah. game, that overtime win at home, he played pretty damn good down the stretch. And he had, I mean, even in that loss to Pittsburgh on the road, like, he put up some massive numbers in some of those games. But it's just tough not to think, like, they took Osweiler in the second when Russell Wilson ended up going in the third round. And I know that you can't really, you know, woulda, coulda, shoulda. It was a completely different situation, but I don't know, man. Yeah. It's tough to say that picks a success considering what Russell's gone on to do after that. Yeah. That's what's so tough. I mean, when I look through, try to find like the best second round pick from the Broncos, it's, it's really tough for me, whether it's Cortland Sutton in 2018 or whether it's Brock Osweiler. And, and maybe even Derek Wolf gets into that conversation. Um, it's, there's just that positional value when it comes to Brock. And the fact that even, even when he walked in free agency, you pick up a third rounder because he's a quarterback and because he was good enough that he gets that massive contract. You get the comp pick. At the same time, like you do have to factor in that there turned out to be better quarterbacks on the board. Um, I don't know. Where do you guys fall for the best second rounder? I think it's, Wolf is yeah. yeah. He, he's got to be up there. It's also worth noting, I'm pretty sure that the comp pick for Osweiler turned into Justin Simmons. So, I mean, yeah. it's you kind of just give and take when it comes to that. Um, other you credit that, them for having it work out, though, because, I mean, that obviously wasn't a guarantee. But, I mean, I guess you kind of have to, right? You won a Super yeah. Bowl. You didn't end up having to pay him a contract that he wasn't worth, but you got the best out of him. And then it turns into one of the best safeties in the NFL. Yeah. I'm not as upset about this pick anymore. You guys have brought me off the ledge after 10 years of being pissed off of not taking Russell Wilson. I feel slightly better about the situation. (laughs) Still should have taken Russell Wilson. But (laughs) I mean, mean, it's, it's still like, that's, that's the upside of drafting a quarterback is if he is even like a, like, I don't even know how to phrase it. Like a good quarterback. You don't even have to be a good quarterback. Somebody needs you just to, have to not think, be a bust. That's all. Exactly. You just have to have some sort of value coming out of your four years, and you're going to be picking up a third round pick, or at worst, a fourth round pick. And that's if you're making like eight, nine million dollars on that next contract. So that's, there's just value in taking quarterbacks, I guess. Uh, let me throw a little bit more salt in the wound, though, for the Brock Osweiler pick. Four of the five players taken after him first was Levante David, next was Vinnie Curry. The next was Kalechi uh, Osemele. Then LaMichael James was taken. And then Casey Hayward. 
after that. So, yeah. Yeah. I mean, at the same time, though, without Brock, do you win that's that true. Super Bowl? Uh, yeah, that's true. Casey Hayward wasn't going to come in and play quarterback for them in 2015. No. So he wasn't going to make that secondary any better either. That's you true. have been Dude, I was at that Chargers game though, spot. where they benched where they benched Brock at halftime, and it was just that was such an interesting decision. That Week 17 move, they pull mm-hmm. him out after he's had all this success. They bring in Peyton, but they come back. They win. They win the Super Bowl. I guess Kubiak knew what he was doing. I. Turns out playing Peyton Manning was the right decision. <laughs> Who would have guessed? I was with you, though. I was like, ah, you should be rolling with Brock. He, he's hot. You know, th- this reminds me. So I saw on Twitter, I think I think it was actually our Broncos account, put out a poll, like, if, if Drew Locke throws 18 touchdowns, 12 interceptions, um, and, and makes it to the playoffs, is he the starter next season? And somebody, I don't remember who, but somebody on Twitter, like, quote tweeted and said, he throws 18 touchdowns, 12 interceptions. They're not making the playoffs. And it's like, you know what? what? Think, think back to the year that the Broncos literally won a Super Bowl. 18 touchdowns, 19 interceptions from your quarterbacks during the regular season. And they won the Super Bowl. Like some, some of these people just kind of drive me insane. That was a bit of a tangent, though. I mean, having a generational defense helps your cause a little bit. For sure. And I mean, I've also seen the take on Twitter that this year's defense is going to be better than the Super Bowl defense. Not sure I'd go quite that far, but uh, it's, it's the it's best. Going to be a really since, good defense. Yes, it's the best since, but yeah, twenty. I mean, twenty twelve or twenty fifteen is like an all time defense. I mean, we're talking for top sure five, at least top ten all time. Absolutely, that just doesn't happen in twice in five years or six years, whatever it would be. They were so timely. Like it wasn't I'm, just that they had never. talented players. They stepped up in big moments. You know what I mean? Like they had the yeah. Roby scoop and score. They had pick sixes when they needed it most. I think that 2012 Broncos defense was probably as good, you know, as the 2015 with back when they still had an elite linebacking core that, you know, Von Miller pre-injury, like the secondary is pretty solid, but I don't know, just something about that 2015 defense was different. Yeah, they just went out there and, like you said, they they got the job done. Like, everybody wants to talk about on paper. It's like, what what did you actually do in those 16 games, plus hopefully more? And they did what they needed to do week in and week out. God, that feels like forever ago. <laughs> it uh, really does. Let's get back on track, and let's transition over to the worst second-round pick of the O era which is going to be a very interesting debate because there are a plethora of choices. The second round was not kind to Elway over the years. Uh, Jake, I guess you want to go first? I mean, I think the obvious answer has to be Cody Latimer, right? A guy that was kind of seen as a steal at the time and someone that could, I mean, you go back then, it was Welker, Decker, and DT. I mean, if you just Mm -hmm. had a decent fourth, um, I mean, you know, Benny Fowler and a couple other guys kind of came along uh, the years after. But Cody Latimer, I mean, in 66 career games, he had 70 receptions, 935 yards, and six touchdowns to the Broncos. That's one start, good. one career start. Yeah. Uh, At the same time, though, you've got Monte Ball, 120 really one. for 559. What's that average? That's, that's 4.7 yards per carry, which is kind of crazy considering how bad he was. But yeah, I mean, the, the bad ones are tough because I feel like 
there's like just two or three guys who did absolutely nothing for you. Oh, Cody Latimer, he was solid on special teams though, wasn't he? He was. He, I mean, he kind of like, it was weird. It was like, as he got later into his Broncos contract, he got a little bit better, but it was always like special teams. And, you know, he, he's like played his best when Brock was at quarterback, which I mean, Peyton didn't that, trust which, him, which he was yeah. kind of petty like that, which I don't blame him. If you're Peyton Manning, like I trust your judgment over anybody else out there. But I mean, we saw it. Who was that? Uh, was it Willis, the receiver in that San Diego game where he ran the wrong route? Peyton threw a pick six because of it. Willis never saw the field again after that. Yeah, it's crazy. Can't blame him. I hate to admit it, but my guy Ty Sambrilo probably has to be in the conversation now. It's yeah. not his fault that Denver took him way too early, and he's actually panned out to have a really <laughs> nice career as just like a yeah. swing tackle rotational guard, you know, um, re-signed with Tennessee this offseason. He's panned out much more so than most of these other second-round picks, but he was injured, got thrown into the fire, and was basically forced to start at left tackle when he was two years away from being ready for it. Mm-hmm. That was a blown pick. Like, just no way to say it. I, I, no other way to say it. I love Ty. I don't think – I think situationally he got put in a bad spot, but that's a bad pick. They reached for him in the second round. I think the You're redeeming right. factor there is that the Broncos moved on after two years and were able to pick up a fifth rounder for him, which like, again, still terrible pick to be swapping a second rounder for like seven starts from a bad left tackle and then a fifth round pick. But compared to getting nothing from Monte ball, nothing for Latimer, like, I'm not sure if we factor that in too much, but at least he had enough value to move him, which Monte ball was not getting you a fifth. I think it's got to be Latimer. I think if we're like really yeah. just picking one, I think it has to be Latimer just because of his lack of offensive production. Like you got starts and productive games out of Monte Ball, although not very many of them. You got some starts out of Ty Sambrilo. You have to flip him for a fifth. I mean, I think it's either Latimer or Gotsis, maybe. I mean, what, what did Adam Gotsis do in his Denver days? Not a whole lot of much. I mean, um, my thing with Gotsis is that like, at one point, he was a rotational piece. Not like a, a plus rotational piece, but he had like a role. Whereas Monte Ball, like, just disappointing. Cody Latimer, just disappointing. Even Demarcus Walker, another bad second round pick. Like, they tried to play him on like the a field. situational He's not pass rusher. He just never did anything. Yeah. Like, Gotsis gave you snaps at least. That's true. Not to uh, not to take like a solemn tone here, but between like Gotsis and Monty Ball and some of these, not only were these guys disappointments on the field, but they had some off the field stuff too. So really, just yeah. blown picks all around. They they did yeah. not pan out well. Gotsis started twenty eight games in Denver. That's a hell of a lot more than I would have guessed. I know. I mean, right? If you, if you make twenty eight starts, that's probably. It's not a bust. Like it's you know, it's not a successful second round pick, but it's no, not it's a total not. wash. But still played in seventy or it says seventy three career games. I guess take the sixteen away from last year in Jacksonville. Uh, whatever that quick math is, fifty seven. I think fifty seven games played in over his four year career in Denver really isn't bad. I mean, especially no. as a rotational guy. I mean, obviously you don't you want more from the second round draft pick, but um, you didn't completely whiff. You feel a lot better if he's a fourth yeah. round pick instead of a second round pick. But, you know, yeah. that's kind of been the theme with a lot of these guys. Um, 
Hank, let's go to the third round. You'll go. You go first this time. Who is the best third round pick of the John Elway era? I mean, I, I feel like it's got to be Justin Simmons. And running through again real quickly, I'm very confident in saying this, Justin Simmons. Honestly, not even that much competition. Um, I guess that makes sense, considering he was a third-round pick who turned out to be the highest-paid player ever at his position. So, Justin Simmons. Yeah, I guess the only real competition, it's, it's early, but Draymond Jones shows some promise for a third-round pick also. Um, you know, too early, way too early to tell in the 2020 guys, but I think that would be the only other third rounder that you could really throw in there. After that, yeah. you go down to like probably Kayvon Webster or Ronnie Hillman. Like Royce yeah. Freeman is stuck around. Yeah, I guess yeah. Freeman's like, still yeah. on the team, so that was a win, I guess. Yeah. It's How tough. many of these running backs are Denver going to keep drafting that just, God, I hope Williams isn't the next one of these and what's been a long list of failed draft picks. Monte and yeah, all these. Days. It's a new era. It's a new era. Exactly. This is we're, we're talking Elway era, which ended 2020. It's a f- total fresh start since then. All right, I think we're all in agreement there. That wasn't a super exciting one. No. The the worst third round pick is again kind of up for discussion. There've been a few of them. I don't know. At first, you know, I see the name Michael Schofield and I just think back to all of those horrible, horrible games of just watching him get yep. blitzed by Khalil Mack. Like, would he give up five sacks on that one Raiders game? But Oops. again, it comes down to like he's had a, a nice career as a rotational guy. So do we blame him for the fact that they overdrafted him and tried to make a starting tackle out of what's a backup guard? Like, I mean, it, it turned out to be a bad pick. It turned out to be a bad pick. At the same time, like, he was able to be the third best tackle on the team. That's, that's better than what you can say about either Carlos Henderson or Brandon Langley. God, that 2017 draft was a disaster, man. <laughs> you got even, Garrett Bowles out of it, so I guess but that's even, a success. But. Even with Bowles, so, you know, the, the, the best part of a first-round pick, you're getting a super talented player, cost-controlled for four years. Three of those years, Garrett Bowles was just awful. One of those years, he played like what you expect a first-round pick to be like. And so even that one, it's not like it was a... Like, like, could you have just gone out and paid the Garrett Bowles money to a left tackle? Um, and You would have lost that one good year. You wouldn't have had to play, play him for three years. But yeah, bad draft. Bad draft. I mean, to, but just, uh, just to give perspective to anybody who doesn't have the list in front of them... Garrett Bowles, Marcus Walker, Carlos Henderson, Brendan Langley, Jake Butt, Isaiah McKenzie, D'Angelo Henderson, Swag Kelly. Oh, man. Swag <laughs> Kelly might be like the second best pick in that entire class. <laughs> Seriously. Jeez, Seriously. Uh, to Bowles' I mean, credit, though, he was kind of thrown into the fire like mm-hmm. some of these other guys. We've mentioned Sam Brilo and Schofield. and. True. At the time, I mean, left tackle was a massive void for the Broncos. They kind of got pigeonholed into taking bowls or ram check or whoever it was at that slot just because that was the most glaring need on the roster. Um, but to his credit, he's turned it around. For sure. At the same time, though, like, the reason they took him was because he was supposed to be, like, the, the pro-ready. Right. I mean, he was, he was what, like, 20, he's, he's 29 now? Yeah, so, he was yeah, older he was when they took him. So. Yeah. yeah. 
the fact that it took this long to pan out we're hoping for what like three to four good years of what we saw last year and that would be that's maybe a reach you know tackles they don't hold up who knows who knows with tackles also you do get like the random dude that plays till he's like 39 like what's the dude on the the la rams um oh yeah whitworth like you see this dude he could be the dad of half of his teammates (laughs) yeah yeah seriously how do we feel um, about the Yudam pick in, in 2018? Because that's, like, there were moments he flashed, but again, it kind of feels like a, some of these other, you know, Langley, Webster, Bolden, like, just, yeah, there were a couple of moments, but, man, we really struggle to evaluate DBs. I mean, third round, to me, is still where you're looking to get a starter. And I think that's, like, established on this podcast. Yeah. Um, and, and he, Isaac was just short of that. He, he was always close to being that. He, he never actually did it. Um, at the same time, he, he was good enough to be better than some of these awful third-round picks. And honestly, like, when you look at him, like, who, who is actually in front of him? Um, Ojemudia, Cushenberry, Gene, probably too early to, to compare them. But you've got Draymond Jones in front of him. You've got Justin Simmons in front of him. That honestly might be it. And Kayvon Webster was productive in his own way. I think you got to put Webster ahead of him for now just because of the impact he had on special teams on that Super Bowl year. But we're splitting hairs, you know. It's it's a Ronnie Hillman, too, though. I mean, Yadamon was on the team for two years before they had enough of him and traded him away. Um, and it was uh, it was really bad that last year. What was it, 2019, his last year on the team? It was he was a liability. It was brutal. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, Ronnie Hillman, to me, I, I, I wanted to be a huge fan ever since, ever since the, I, was, I was listening to the draft on the radio. And one of the first things I said about him was that he came from Snoop Dogg's youth football team. And from that point on, I was in love with the, like, you know, he's all speed back, supposed to be like the receiving threat. But, like, what did he do in Denver? Like, almost nothing. Bumble Put up. Yeah, dude, we never put him in advantageous situations, though. They tried to run him between the tackles so frequently, and it just never made sense. Like, why are they kept trying to plug a square into a circle, and it just didn't work? And the the killer was that he did way too many fumbles, eight fumbles, eight times. Yeah, that's too much. The killer to me is that his best season, he had 139 receiving yards. That was the season he had his only receiving touchdown. Like a guy like that. And, and I mean, this was kind of like a little shift. I feel like um, he, he left Denver in 2015. And so like, I feel like 2016, 2017 is where every running back decided like we need to be able to catch the ball. And it's kind of been like growing, growing to the point where it is now where I feel like most running backs maybe are at least a little bit productive, but he was one who just needed that to be a part of his game. Cause otherwise, I mean, he just didn't give you all that much. No, wasn't tough enough between the tackles. Ball security is an issue. The speed is what he had going for him, and they just never found a way to take advantage of it. Like you said, like you know, sweeps, whatever you got to do. I don't know. Get him to the outside and hope he can outrun some people. But it, it just didn't work. And now we don't get Snoop Dogg at Broncos games. And Ugh. honestly, Denver loses as a whole. We do We're not getting Snoop in our community. Like. We lose out. Yeah. Thanks a lot, Ronnie. Thanks a lot, you fucking <laughs> asshole. I feel like right. I feel like Ronnie's still gotta be just ahead of Nate Irving. Yeah. I mean he had an impact at least. Yeah. 
12 I mean, starts. Irving did play a little bit, but yeah, over four years. It's tough. Who who are we going with with the absolute worst though? I think it's got to be Carlos uh, Henderson, right? I think you yeah, it's Carlos Henderson. You didn't even get him to the facilities, really. Yeah, I mean, literally nothing. That his game log shows nothing. He's got, I got preseason. He played like one preseason. That was it. Yeah, I was so excited for him. He was he was kind of like almost like the original Visca in a way. Yeah, yeah. like yeah, the yeah. way that he played. Like this guy obviously has like two, three, probably like two inches and like thirty pounds on him. But there's like some similarities in terms of what they were supposed to do. I'm pretty sure. And D'Angelo Henderson too. When Carlos Henderson was uh, entering the draft, he was like one of the active leaders in CFB at the time of uh, broken tackles or something like that. So yeah, yeah, exactly. you hit the nail on the head. Yeah, they're destroying the Sun Belt at Louisiana Tech. Yeah. <laughs> Langley's just behind him though. Langley is not far behind him. Uh, yeah. It, you I had mean, a third round that produced zero starts, right? Did Langley, like... No, he never started. He, as, as Ryan loves to point out, he was a wide receiver who they drafted to play cornerback who <laughs> told reporters that uh, he was uncomfortable moving backwards. And oh <laughs> so then they switched well, him back to receiver yeah. for... Uh, so what, his second season, and he did nothing there either. <laughs> just brutal. Some of these picks brutal. are just putting me in a sad mood. Let's move on to the fourth round, and let's talk about some of the good picks. The fourth round, kind of a little bit more kind to the Broncos over the years, at least compared to the second and third. Um, there have definitely been some misses as well, but mm-hmm. we haven't talked a lot about that 2011, because like I said, Von Miller, that one made it pretty easy, but that year, you got Quentin Carter and Julius Thomas in the fourth round. I mean, the way it ended with Julius Thomas was definitely a disappointment. But, I mean, there was a stretch where it was like him and Gronk probably were considered the best two tight ends in football. Like, Kelsey, it, maybe. I think that was pre-Kelsey. but It was probably like a – maybe like a six-week stretch or four-week <laughs> yeah. stretch, something like that. But yeah, I mean, he, for that one season, what was that? Was that, yeah, it must have been 2013. He was just unstoppable. He was a match. It is is weird going back and looking at the numbers, though, because you think of Julius Thomas, you're like, yeah, he, 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 like, he was putting up 100 yards every week. But his best season in Denver, 65 catches, 788 yards, the 12 touchdowns are what stand out, just the red zone dominance. But that's, that's, include, that's a pretty good production considering the receivers he had on the outside of him. Like it, it wasn't True. like, you know, they were spreading the ball around a ton. Absolutely. God, I miss For those sure, years. I mean, with all those receivers, it's pretty easy to eat over the middle, especially when you're as big as fast yeah. as Julius Thomas was. So and that's also sure. important to bring up. Uh, you got Josie Jewell in 2018. He's produced. Yep. I mean, I'm not a big Josie Jewell fan, but he's at least been a competent player. You can't really call him a For bust. Sure. I, I take Booker think, in 2016. When all said and done, I think Albert O is going to be number two on this list, if not number one. Um, I'm you, you've been big on Albert O since day one. I'll give you that. Like, if he pans out, I don't know if there's anybody, at least on DMVR, that can say more so than Hank. Like, I saw it in this guy. I call the him. man is a monster. A monster. But yeah, it's too early to give him credit for that. Got to stay um, healthy, but I agree. 
Yep. And then, like, it's got to be Josie Jewell. Then is Deshaun right there? I mean, Quentin Carter's probably right there with Deshaun. Quentin Carter. I think it's got to be Devontae Booker. They never really finished. They never found a way to, you know, get him consistent carries. But he at least was a guy you could trust to get in there. I I think they underutilized him, to be honest. Really? Every time they gave him the ball, it pissed me off. Except for that first season. The first season, I was like, yeah, he's going to be the man. But then whenever he went in there, it was just bad vibes. Yeah, no, for real. Um, I mean, there's no one else really to add. I mean, Omar Bolden was a nice, I guess, special teams role player throughout his time. I think his best play as a Bronco, he had that uh, punt return against Indianapolis in 2015, but it was called back. And that was a game they lost by like six points or something. So, um, yeah. But yeah, I think he had a big special teams uh, tackle in that Patriots game in 2015 that we won in Denver. He like lit lit up a punt returner, and it might have even caused a fumble that we recovered. It was, it was Henry Cave on one of those two. I mean, he wasn't anything special, but he was just like one of my favorite players, just in terms of like the vibes and like his personality back then. He was just a fun guy to have on the team. Yeah, I and you know what. I feel like in front of those guys, I think maybe even in front of Devontae Booker, was Max Garcia. Like he wasn't Good he call. wasn't great, but he started for two seasons. He he had as a rookie, he started a bunch of games in the Super Bowl season. And if we're giving bumps for that, I feel like that's that's gotta put him over the top of some of those guys. Let's see, was it he he played uh, looks like uh true thirty-eight total offensive snaps during that playoff run so not like too much but but enough to to be a good a good pick for a fourth rounder i think so i'd say he was a decent pick for where he was selected for sure i mean you got uh i don't like he wasn't a tackle i I guess he was a swing lineman but then you got a starter for i mean it wasn't a high level starter but you got a starter for a couple years after the fact yeah I, i feel like that should be the bar for for a fourth round pick is like he should be a starter who you're kind of disappointed about. Not super disappointed about, but just like, yeah, we should be doing better here. Sure. But you can still put him out there and it's not going to be the end of the world. The worst fourth rounder, I'm going to be honest, I don't even remember this name. It's, I think, Philip Blake in 2012, offensive lineman out of Baylor who never played a single game for the Denver Broncos. <laughs> Crazy. I, I had also forgotten that name. I yeah. don't remember him. I can honestly I think, say I, I don't know a single thing about him. I don't eat like most of these guys, even if they weren't, you know, like a Lorenzo Doss, you know, he didn't play that much, but you know, that name. Yeah. I'm like, Who the hell is yep. this dude? For sure. Right there and it's like, him. even like you, you scroll through and you're like, Oh, Vincent painter. I remember that guy. Like I don't remember anything games. about him, but I remember him. Uh, yeah. Philip Blake. Absolutely nothing. Oh, wow. It says he played until 2012. So he was out of the league after his first season. Yikes. I wonder what happened there. Like, I don't, I don't know the backstory. You know, it might've been an off the field thing. Could have been injuries. Like I wonder if I made it out of camp. I I also wonder. Cause I mean, if you don't make, if you are not on the roster as a rookie and then you don't really enter the league after that. I mean, I, I think the, the, the writing was on the wall pretty early from what it sounds like just from those points. 
Also, Ukrainian in case anybody was wondering, Philip Blake is also the name of the man called the governor in the Walking Dead comic book. He's a bad guy. Oh, no, he was on TV, too. He was on TV, too. Kind of tough to find anything about Philip Blake. Well, Looks like he wouldn't play in Canada. Not even the most famous Philip Blake. You know how obscure tough. of a player you have to be that none of us know who you are? I Right? Like, all, literally all these other guys, you're at least like, oh, yeah, Tavares King. Yeah, I remember that. Oh, this is a fun Try to make you good in Madden. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, that's how I felt about the Hendersons they were fun Mad- Madden oh, players because they, they were, were twitchy and you could break tackles and you get those DEB <sighs> traits up and all of a sudden it's like now he's an 85 overall and a pro bowler it's crazy like that there was like a full like Madden game where I just played Carlos Henderson and Isaiah McKenzie at receiver and it was it was honestly fun you didn't win all that much because they'd be like dropping balls and like I think the quarterback <laughs> at that point was it still Simeon? Maybe point is yeah, whoever it was, was Simeon was like, not was no a fun Madden quarterback. They did my guy dirty. We gotta go this through just... and, and rank like all the Broncos rosters in terms of what would be the most fun on Madden. Well, it's gotta be like, like all 2013. But yeah, awesome. 2013. But, all those guys. but then you think like 97, 98 rosters. Oh, well, I mean, yeah, like, if we're I'm going, thinking, like, all-time, all-time, that, that would be real interesting. Yeah. Like, like, are, are some of the early Elway teams way up there? Bro, they gotta be. I mean, the Elway, TD, McCaffrey, Rod Smith, like, Atwater at safety, like, those would, those would be fun Madden teams. Or, like, even, like the... did, there was, like, an Elway-Orange Crush crossover for, like, a year or two, right? Maybe not. He well, kind, was... I mean, kind of. Like, the crush, crush was more the 70s, but... Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, even like the mid 2000s teams with Clinton Portis and all those guys on there. Oh, dude, I scored like 17 touchdowns in one game with Clinton Portis one time when I was in like the fourth grade. (laughs) He did that in real life versus the Chiefs, too. That's right. Game that got him traded. (laughs) Yeah, no joke. I got his jersey for Christmas after that game because he was my favorite player, and they traded him literally like four weeks later, and third grade Justin cried. I've got Clinton Portis jersey hanging right there. At a boy. I'm, like I'm breaking it out this season too. At a boy. I can't wait to rock my Broncos Bradley Van Pelt jersey in the stadium this year. I always watch eBay pickup. I always wanted one of those. There was I, I used to wear jerseys like way too much when I was like in third grade oh, or whenever Bradley Van Pelt was around. That was on the list. Like my school shopping list was just like a list of athletes' names. Like, like Todd Helton was on there. I, I found like the email like three years ago that I sent to my mom. Bradley Van Pelt was on there. I'm in the process of getting all of the jerseys that I had when I was a child. So I still, I got to get Portis still. I got to get Jake the Snake, Rod Smith. Um, but like mm-hmm. so far, like I, I've refound like my white mellow Nuggets jersey. I was able to replace my like Peter Forsberg and Joe Sackick jerseys, my Todd Helton jersey. So I'm working my way through the list. Wow. Keeping That's my childhood alive. All right, let's uh, <laughs> let's let's take a quick ad break real quick before we move on to the fifth round, and then we'll get into some of the Viking stuff as well. Um, before we do that, though, just a quick word from our partners over at DraftKings Sportsbook. They're the best, man. I, I have not been They're... making any money lately because I've just been betting with my heart, and the Nuggets and Abs yeah. are on a massive losing streak these last couple of games. Like three, it's not that not that massive. Yeah, 
Anyways, once they start winning, we'll be making money again. I think, ooh, before we get into this, I'm pretty sure the, the Nuggets to win this series is a plus 300 right now. Well, like that. No, it's like a lock for them. I mean, have they, they, they like never won a game one or whatever, but yeah. Um, DraftKings Sportsbook is not only my favorite sportsbook, it's also America's top-rated sportsbook. I love using DraftKings Sportsbook because it's easy to navigate. It's plenty of instructions for new bettors. Uh, there's nearly limitless ways to get in on all the action. And also, all my friends who uh, you guys know, like all of them, if you're listening to this podcast, they love DraftKings Sportsbook too. Um, they uh, they have an awesome deal right now. They're putting you courtside. The chance to turn $1 into $100 in site credits. That's right. You get to pick any basketball team that's still in contention. Bet $1. If the team wins, then you win $100 in site credits. Don't forget, DraftKings Sportsbook also offers great odds and promotions on baseball, hockey, so much more all week long. It's safe. It's secure. It's reliable. You can deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. So download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use the promo code DNVR when you sign up to turn $1 into $100 in free credits. Bet on the basketball team of your choice to win their next game. And if they do, you will claim $100 in free credits. That's promo code DNVR for a limited time. Only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Must be 21 or older. Colorado only. New customers only. Wager paid out in site credits. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash Sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Love it. Also, uh, we have uh, some great friends who want to clean your teeth. Um, that's Green Mountain Dental Group. They're a family-owned dentistry. Uh, they're huge Colorado sports fans. They're conveniently located just 15 minutes away from downtown Denver in Lakewood. And a bunch of our listeners have already switched over and made them their permanent family dentist. Um, they've also, like, obviously reached out and told us about it and, like, thanked us for letting them know about uh, the good people over at Green Mountain Dental Group. Um, a couple of our co-workers at DNVR uh, Allie and Lindsay, they both had their wisdom teeth removed at Green Mountain Dental Group. Uh, they, they said that it was like a, a great experience, um, that they were checked in on often, and uh, they recommend as well that you go over to Green Mountain Dental Group. Uh, the best part is if you schedule a cleaning, x-ray, and exam with Green Mountain Dental Group, you'll receive a free Sonicare toothbrush. Um, make sure that if you make the trip out there that you tweeted us, tag us, all that kind of stuff. And uh, tag them, too, uh, so that they know how much our community supports our biggest supporters. Perfect. Supporting our partners, supporting us. DMVR, we're all about the community and all of the local businesses. All right, let's move on to the fifth round. Um, This one's kind of interesting. I mean, you got guys like Troy Fumagalli and Isaiah McKenzie, but then you also have... um, Oh my goodness, I just had it pulled up here. Uh, Malik Jackson, you know, who obviously I think is probably the the clear-cut best fifth-round pick just given, I mean, produced 35 sacks, was absolutely dominant in that Super Bowl stretch. One of the guys I was probably most disappointed to see leave that Super Bowl roster. Definitely. Definitely. No. And I think with Malik Jackson being the number one, Conor McGovern's got to be the number two. Yeah. Yeah, I think this one's pretty easy, but I mean, going back to Malik Jackson and leaving the team after the Super Bowl, just couldn't really help it if you're the Broncos. I mean, they had the massive hole at quarterback coming up. Um, 
Vaughn was up for extension. I think they had a couple other guys too. So it was just someone had to go. And unfortunately it was him. And the hey, he got paid. It wasn't like it. it. It worked out okay for Malik. He didn't put up the same numbers in Jacksonville. And obviously, you know, not getting to play with DeMarcus Ware and Vaughn Miller and Derek Wolf probably played a big factor there. But you would think he's cashing those checks, sipping my ties on the beach, man. I think he, it worked out okay for him with his Super Bowl ring on. Like it all, it all turned out okay for Malik. Yeah, I think he made a decent amount of cash for a fifth rounder, so he's probably doing okay. Who's your guys' worst fifth round pick, uh, Jake? You can go first. Oh man, um, let's see. Just looking through real quick. I mean, Isaiah McKenzie is someone that kind of comes to mind, but I think he was just another example of being thrown into the fire too early, obviously because he's shown that he can really, you know, contribute in Buffalo. Um, but I guess, man, I mean, Lamine Barrow, I don't remember him doing very much. I mean, he was kind of that sub linebacker every now and then. Either him or Lorenzo Doss, I guess. Yeah, Both of those Quanteris, Quanteris That's what I was going to throw out. Quanteris oh, Smith in 2013. Was, he, he, during that, one of those training camps, he was tearing everybody up. And there was a lot of Quanteris Smith hype. I, I'm not even sure if it translated the preseason, but I was really high on him. And then Tavares King, too. I mean, mm-hmm. another guy who did nothing. I feel like the, the debate at this point is just like, do, do you say it's somebody like Tavares King or Quantara Smith or whoever else who just literally did not ever see the field? Or is it Isaiah McKenzie because he proactively made the team worse by being on the field? It's tough. And then it's even mm. more frustrating because he's panned out down the line. So it's like you got that double blow. True. We took you. You fumbled all over the place here. Couldn't do anything right. And now we got to watch you scoring, you know, six or seven touchdowns a year with Josh Allen for a contending Buffalo Bills team. The thing yeah. with Isaiah McKenzie, though, is I mean, he can't really help it if Vance Joseph keeps on throwing him back there to return punts when he's already proven that point. he can't hold on to the ball. So Yeah, that is true. Definition of insanity. Keep doing the same thing over and over exactly. again and expecting different results. Um, that, that's such a little guy. Of course he was going to fumble. With NFL defenders coming at him when he's like, he like left early, then he's 21, 22. Dude weighed like 150 pounds soaking wet. Um, it's an interesting to debate, and we can kind of go into this maybe later, but going like looking at these, it's what's the worst LA draft class all the way through? Is it like 2013, which had, you know, Quintera Smith and some of these guys, Monte Ball, Tavares King, Vincent Painter, Zach Dicer. I mean, they got Sly Williams out of it, but. Or but like he wasn't even good. One. No, that was wasn't. a bad first-round pick. I, I mean, I think, to me, that one's probably the worst. 2015's got to be up there, too. I mean, you got some value in Simeon and Max Garcia that we already talked about, but, I mean, Shane Ray never really became what he was supposed to be. Sam Brilo was kind of a disaster from the get-go. Hireman took a while to even get on the field because he was one of those torn ACL tight ends, I think, coming in. And then, I mean, you have misses on Lorenzo Doss, Teron Nixon, Josh Furman. So yeah. Trevor Simeon saving your draft class, I don't think it's that good. <laughs> it's definitely bad. The thing is, like, even you go first round to first round, you want Sylvester Williams or Shane Ray? Ugh. I mean, to me, it's Shane Ray. 
Slide played well though on that 2015 team. He kind of filled that that pot roast role once they moved on from Knighton and he just just yeah. kind of eating up double teams, allowing Vaughn and uh, Malik and Demarcus Ware to just kind of do their thing. It's just was yeah. it's again coming back to the same thing we talked about with some of these other guys in second and third round. It's like he wasn't a total bust, but he clearly wasn't worth the first round pick that Denver invested in. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think yeah. that's the same case with Shane Ray. Like Shane Ray had some productive moments, for sure. But he also couldn't beat out Shaq Barrett consistently as an undrafted free agent. And if that's a guy that you traded up to take, I don't know. Yeah, Shane Ray already out of the league too. I don't see anything past yeah, his 2018 Denver season. Yep, he signed with somebody after I can't remember who it was. It was like Baltimore or someone, but. I think he's. I only see a picture of him in purple, so it's Baltimore or Minnesota. So I believe it was Baltimore, and I don't think he ever carved out that's a role right. there. Good Ugh. old Shane Ray. Good old Shane Ray. That's tough. Stay uh, off the weed, Stephen Smith. <laughs> do we do worst fifth round pick? Yeah, that was oh, the yeah. one. Uh, yeah. Quantero Smith. Lorenzo Das probably in that conversation as well. Yeah, although he did contribute on special teams a lot lot of it. Yeah, a lot of them in that conversation. I feel like that's (laughs) just how fifth round picks go. That's true. Sixth round's kind of interesting, though. I mean, you got Matt Paradis, who Mm -hmm. obviously turned out to be pretty valuable. Danny Trevathan, also another guy that got a huge contract. Will Parks. Will Parks was probably more useful to the Broncos than any other team, but I mean, when he was playing, he played really, really well. Uh, Shoot that yeah. Saints play alone and the forced fumble at the one yard line were worth yeah. that selection. Yep. Yeah. Jano as well. Yeah, I mean, he had a nice little stretch here. Obviously, the fullback doesn't get used in the same way. And his I still think he could have been more valuable if we would have used him a little bit differently, but 22 Janos, man. There were there were only <laughs> two six-round picks. The the oh no, there's more than that. So so let's see. Of, of the the bad ones though, you got 2011 Mike Muhammad, the linebacker. You've got uh, Vincent Painter, the guard in 2013. You've got Darius Kilgo in 2015, and D'Angelo Henderson 2017, Bearia Sam Jones 2018. There have been a lot of bad ones. Ron Winfrey, yeah, there are more than I thought. They just went through that stretch there where they were pretty hot. Taking Winfrey in 2019 was particularly frustrating for me because there were a lot of better receivers on the board when they took him. Like, I I love drafting the local guys, and like I wasn't going to be one of those dudes, especially as a CSU dude, that was like, "Are you kidding me?" But I was like, Winfrey couldn't even separate himself on that Buffs roster, and you you're going to take him in the sixth round when you could have got him as a UDFA. Like, yep. I don't know. It was it was just frustrating. Like, press you could have had Preston Williams. But you took Jawan Winfrey. Scotty Miller not also taken look. after that. Yeah, like a lot of good. I mean, even Ola BC Johnson in, in Minnesota, I mean, he's still on their roster contributing. Like that's more than Winfrey can say. He hasn't exactly yeah. been a stud, but the, the yeah. surround has not been kind. Winfrey had injuries though, didn't he? I seem yeah, to he remember did, yeah. him being hurt. He had him in college and I think with the Broncos too. Looks like he's with I've, the Packers now, which I mean, I, wish I, I almost feel like I could start at receiver for the Packers. <laughs> you might be able to start at quarterback, too. Uh, there's a good chance. There's a good chance. 
I'll be curious to see if uh, Seth Williams ends up being in this conversation of blown six-round wide receivers that Denver's taken over the years. Yeah, he's I, – I like him. I, I, like I really him like him. I'm excited. I want to he's, like him, but it's hard for me to being an – he's an Auburn guy, so I've got the Alabama-Auburn thing. Oh. And they took him over my guy Warren Jackson. So in, I'll admit, this is fully biased here. Like, I can't even look at yeah. Seth Williams objectively because in my heart I'm probably rooting against him. But Why didn't Warren Jackson play this season? I've never. I feel like that may be the worst decision. Like compared to like, how about all of Elway's draft decisions? I feel like the decision to draft Paxton Lynch was probably worse than uh, his decision to Warren Jackson's decision not to play this year. That might be. I mean, it, it was so wonky. Like it didn't look like the Mountain West was going to play. So you, you know, D and roll. You know, you drop out basically of school. You're not registered for classes. You're not working with the camp. Then all of a sudden the Mountain West decides we are going to play, but it would have been, you know, he's, he's losing Patrick O'Brien, his starting quarterback. So he would be playing with like his fourth quarterback in three years in an offense that doesn't exactly light it up, like down the field. I'm, I agree with you that not playing definitely hurt his draft stock, but I also don't know if playing in a Steve Adazio offense is really going to boost him more than what we've already seen him (laughs) produce in 2019. I feel like, like, how many G5 guys actually sat out this year and got drafted? Like, it just seems like when you, when you're just, when that's where you are, you can't, you can't do that. And we talked about it, Justin, uh, when I came on the Rams pod, I mean, especially in this class where it was just a bunch of short shifty slot guys. If you're Warren Jackson, you really had a chance to kind of show off your length and size this year. And I mean, it's tough to really blame him for opting out, but still the opportunity was definitely there for him to at least get drafted in the seventh round or something. And it just. Well, I think losing uh, the combine in particularly really hurt him after not playing, you know, he's out of sight, out of mind. He was the preseason mountain West player of the year. So I think he's assuming like, you know, I've got some juice. I produced big time numbers in 2019. I'm going to have good recommendations from the coaching staff I played for there's a proven history with wide receivers coming out of Colorado state over the last half decade. Like he has all of that in his corner, Mm -hmm. but again, coming back to like what Hank says, you know, you were in the mountain West and I love the mountain West, but it's very easy to forget about, especially when there's a lot of receivers that helped boost their draft stock this year. I mean, look at a guy like Devontae Smith, like he won the Heisman. Yeah. He was viewed as a good wide receiver and all conference type talent. He ended up being the second receiver taken. Yeah. Second or third, but did Waddle, um, yeah, Waddle went first. Seventh round or even, I mean, it's just a bunch of busts and then Riley Dixon and Corey Nelson. So <laughs> I don't even know if <laughs> Jack it, can Kelly. you call a seventh rounder a bust though. No, no. It's just what they do. Yeah. <laughs> You're taking flyers at that point. Like, yeah. I, oh, well, I guess I, I, I'm missing out tr- on Trevor Simeon here. Yeah. Um, which is by far the best one. Yeah, you found a starting quarterback in. I mean, you found a very, very, very good backup quarterback. Yeah, even a backup quarterback in the seventh round is unreal. Yeah, yeah, that's a steal. Especially when you look at 2013, they took Zach Dicer, a quarterback that never even saw the field. I think besides kneel downs for them, and then Trevor Simeon comes in and is actually a starter for a season. Yeah, it's that's a steal. And then I mean, they must have gotten a comp pick for him. 
Or did they trade him? They traded him, didn't they? They traded him, yep, yeah, to the to the Jets. Or was it the Jets? Jets, I think, him? yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so even Trevor that. Simeon's on the Saints now, if you guys didn't know. I actually really like that. He feels like a guy that could be a just like a perfect backup for them. You know what I mean? You don't want him. But just given that yeah. their uncertainty with Jameis and, exactly. you know, like the whole Taysom Hill Taysom. thing, like. Honestly, wouldn't surprise me if those guys blow it up and the Saints are struggling if they're just like, just go distribute the ball to our playmakers, Trevor, like Drew Brees style. Yeah. Yep, exactly. Yep. Yeah. I would no. I think you got me going, Justin. I would not be surprised to see <laughs> Trevor Simeon take some some snaps in the regular season for the Saints this year. Dude, he was pretty good for us for that decent yeah. once he started getting blown up, you could kind of see him playing a little timid after he started just getting I mean, that O line was so terrible. And he was just getting blown up left and right. But before I mean, that, the dude had a dislocation moment. so bad in his shoulder. It was, I think it was an injury that they said only usually occurs in car accidents, bro. Yeah. <laughs> That's wild. That poor guy. Like, we were fearing for his safety at some points out there with some <laughs> of those offensive lines. Like, oh, poor Trevor. At least he's got yeah. the Skittles, right? That's true. Yes. yes. That season, though, 18 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. He was a pro bowler, wasn't he? I mean, it was because starts. of other people dropping out, but I'm pretty sure he that's was a pro bowler. That's, that's the best, that's probably the best quarterback play the Broncos had since 2014. Yeah. He's probably, sure. and I mean this realistically, he's probably in the top three quarterbacks drafted by the Denver Broncos all time. Because it's Jay Cutler's <laughs> one. Like You hate to admit it, but yeah. Jay Cutler is one. <laughs> And then it's well, like Tebow LA because he count. won a playoff game and Simeon. Yeah. 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 Let's see. I'm I'm pulling this up. All the quarterbacks that the Broncos have drafted. It's oh, ugly. <laughs> and this is going to take a second. It's worth it. Uh, there we go. Uh, oh, wow. Buster O'Brien, Bobby Stewart, Peel Pennington, John Hoofnagel, Craig Blackford, Sean Moore, Alan Pastrana, Buddy Funk, Chad Kelly, Trevor Simeon. Bradley Van Pelt, Todd Ellis, Paul Kraus, Zach Dysart, Matt Malk, Jarius Jackson, Bob Berry, Gary Kubiak. Hey, there's a good one. Tom Bradstatter, Dave Matheson, uh, George Mira, Rick Leach, Craig Penrose, Sonny Gibbs, Jeff Lewis, Mark Herman, Brian Greasy. Hey, that's, that's a real Brian quarterback. Brian Greasy. <laughs> yep. Tom Myers, Gail Widener, uh, Scotty Glackman, um, Brock Osweiler, Mickey Slaughter, Drew Locke, Randy Johnson, Paxton Lynch. John Berman, Tim Tebow, Tommy Maddox, Jay Cutler. Oh, pain so much. It's Cutler. Wow. If we're talking like what they actually did in a Broncos <laughs> uniform, it's Jay Cutler. You're right. So much. And you could make the argument for Kubiak if we're talking in terms of what they ended up meaning to the team just because he went on exactly. to be the offensive coordinator of the mind behind three Super Bowl victories. So if you want to get cute with your take, you could argue Kubiak there. But yeah. if we're talking on field production, it's color like greasy and greasy is responsible for ending TD's career. So I refuse to give yep. him any type of props. Tim Tebow. <laughs> I, I'll Tim defend Tebow. I couldn't throw, but he won us a playoff game and it was a hell of a lot more interesting than watching Kyle Orton. Definitely more interesting. That season is still, I mean, I still think back very fondly on those days and just how, it still blows me away. They pulled so many of those games out of their ass, honestly. Dude, that Bears win Incredible. with the 59-yard field goal in the freezing cold or like 
The Jets game was insane. There were so many fun ones. That Bears game where Marion Barber just inexplicably runs out of bounds with like third and six or whatever. Oh, <laughs> <man>. <laughs> uh, Marion yeah, Barber I, had some decent days in Dallas. That was a bonehead play, but him and uh, was it Felix Jones? That was the backfield for the Cowboys for a while. Yeah. They had Julius God, Jones in too. All right, let's uh, let's move on. Right, what what where where are we at now? Twenty twenty or no? I guess we're Vikings now, right? We're on to the Vikings. Yeah. All right, let's switch it on over. George Payton uh, became the assistant GM with the Vikings in twenty twelve. Oh, should we do a quick break? Yeah, let's do that. Let's knock it out, and then we can come back to this. Um, this is one where we all get to talk about our balls. Um. Manscaped, uh, they make uh, they make everything down there better. Uh, whether you want to get rid of some hair down there, whether you want to get rid of some smells down there, uh, whether you want to, to like add good smells, there's so many different things that you can do with all the different Manscaped products. Um, the 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 perfect package is uh, a great way to get introduced. It'll come with your lawnmower 4.0 and the brand new uh, trimmer that uh, Manscaped just dropped like a month or two ago. Uh, on top of that, you get their uh, Crop Preserver, which is the deodorant, Crop Reviver, which is like, uh, I don't even know what to call that, but but it is important. Um, there's a bunch of other packages too that you can check out if you go to manscaped.com. Uh, and, and when you go to manscaped.com, uh, make sure you use the code DNVR to get 20% off and free shipping. Uh, seriously, all these products are, are they, they spend a lot of time putting them together. Like, I feel like it'd be pretty easy just to be known as, like, the, the, the balls guys. But they take their job seriously. You can tell when you get that new lawnmower 4.0. Um, there's, like, a 4,000K LED spotlight that you can turn on and off. A bunch of, like, different lengths that you can choose. It's good stuff. And, again, use that code DMBR at manscaped.com. Get 20% off and free shipping. Summer season. That crop reviver comes in clutch all these hundred degree days man and sometimes you just gotta freshen things that make yourself feel a little bit more lively all right like yes. i said before the break there um peyton he became the assistant gm for the vikings in 2012 was in that role through 2014 but we'll start in 2012 just because you know we assume that he had his footprint or his handprint um you know on that draft class at least to an extent pretty good one so like going through we're going to do the same exercise um best first round pick of the george payton era hank the spotlight is yours take it it's tough to me I, i've got narrowed down to two um there are some other guys that you could throw in there i think um anthony barr for example he's good um he's also picked ninth overall and that's not a great pick but when you see harrison smith picked 29th overall um and also, Justin Jefferson picked 22nd overall. I think those are the two best picks. Um, it's tough to compare just because it's so early in Justin Jefferson's career. But I think that might be where I'm leaning right now. I think you have a fair argument. I mean, compare, they, you said they got him at 22nd overall, right? Yeah. So in 2016, they took Laquan Treadwell at number 23 overall. I mean, he only had 71 catches, 750 yards, and four touchdowns. That's basically already what, you know, Jefferson did last year. I got to pull up his stats Double here. that. Yeah, he doubled yeah. it, you know. He, 
1,400 yards, seven touchdowns at that point, that's great production, especially given where they got Jefferson late in that first round. Um, I don't know. I, I still lean Harrison Smith, but I think you have a strong argument working for Jefferson, at least moving forward. But just on the body of work, I'm going to give it to Harrison Smith. 28 okay. picks, 13 and a half sacks has stayed relatively healthy for them. I mean, that's been a big issue with these Vikings defenses. They've had a lot of talented players. They just, they never seem to have all of them on the field at the same time. Give it to Smith narrowly. Jake? Garrett Bradbury, also a good one. Uh, Yeah. Hasn't missed a game in his two years there, starting center. Um, Khalil. Khalil was decent for a period of time. Shoot, even Teddy Bridgewater, man. If that knee injury doesn't happen, um, you don't know. Maybe they're building around Teddy and, you know, I'm trying to make Teddy two gloves an actual thing. Uh, but yeah, how do you I feel about that nickname, by the way? Could be worse. Yeah. Just like Teddy Bridgewater. <laughs> That's perfect. <laughs> yeah. Could I feel like, I feel like, like Teddy Bridgewater. he's not like, uh, Oh, come on. Like, uh, like MJ. I don't know if that counts. Like the King with LeBron. Like, yeah, deserve great nicknames. Teddy two gloves for Teddy Bridgewater. Yeah, sure. We'll take it. That well, sounds like an insult to me. Like they're mocking him because nobody else wears gloves. Well, he had that nickname going back to Louisville, right? You yeah, it's, it stuck around then. for a while. Some I bad. guess we're sticking with it. I guess it works. I don't know. I, I don't love it, but I'm, I'm being outruled here. So Teddy Two <laughs> I mean, He's more winner. than welcome to play well this year and earn himself a new nickname. He's more yeah. than welcome to do that. The Destroyer. <laughs> Just got to do some work. <laughs> sure. <laughs> Teddy the Destroyer. Hopefully Second it round. Um, Teddy Bear. <laughs> <laughs> Don't do them like that. <laughs> oh, I'm I sorry, hope. Teddy Two Gloves. I'm I'm sorry, but not really. Play better because we need a winner. Um, the second round, I think, is kind of going to be a Von Miller type God, situation where we all um, we're all in agreement. Three but... Floyd, the worst though. First round. Oh, worst first rounder. Oh, you're right. We got to go with the yep. worst. Um, Three Floyd, I think. Well, Laquan Treadwell also. Also, also. The thing with Sharif Floyd though, his career ending really wasn't his fault so mm. he was the guy that had the uh well he had a i think he uh, i don't want to misspeak but i think he had an acl or something okay. and then i think he was the guy that had nerve damage from the surgery and ended up like suing the doctors or something after that oh. ended his career that's a interesting i don't want to i don't want to call him the worst thing because that's that's kind of tragic Especially when LeCron Fredwell is sitting right there. Exactly. He's just hanging there, waiting for us to beat on him mercilessly. Yeah, the Vikings I mean, have picked really well yeah, in the first the round, Falcons. man. Xavier Rhodes, like, they got a lot of guys that ended up being starters. Some of them are probably debatably reaches, like Anthony Barr. But you can't call him a bust, either. Yeah, and I feel like that's the thing. It's like, Trey Waynes. Probably sure, a reach, I mean, but a decent a, corner. A starting corner. Yeah. He's a starting corner. Mike Hughes, yeah, he's a starting corner. Like again, like it's there, so there's nothing flashy going on. So, but then again, it's almost kind of like their security blanket when they're like, "Ah, oh, what, what do we do in the first round?" I don't know, man. Just draft a corner. Draft a second round corner. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> do we think Patrick Sertan is better than any of these corners or DBs that Minnesota ever landed? I think probably at least. 
projecting. DB's tough because Harrison Smith's in there. But corners, yeah. Um, I'd probably say so. I mean, I know Dre and I were real big fans of Jeff Gladney last year, uh, so it's kind of too early to call on that one. But um, I think definitely over Hughes um, and Trey Waynes, Mackenzie Alexander, also second-round pick. Yeah, I will say yeah, makes me feel a little bit better just that even if these guys are, you know, kind of reaches to an extent, at least they panned out. Like, how, I mean, we went through like nine DBs in the OA era that basically like played one year and then, you know, weren't even on the field again. That really this hasn't been the case NFL in the Peyton players. era. Yeah. These guys yeah, are at least like, pro players. For sure. <laughs> that's not setting the bar very high, but that's, that's where we've been. There were some bad draft classes. All right. Nope. Uh, second Sermon's round again. Easy, right? Yeah, it's Dalvin Cook by a mile. Yep. Yeah. I mean, um, oh, shoot. I had a name. Oh, there it is. Eric Kendricks, I guess, kind of gives him a little bit of a run. Um, second round pick in 2015. But, I mean, Dalvin Cook's potentially best back in the league, if not top three. So, we got him at number 41 overall. Mm-hmm. And now that he's been healthy for a couple of years, yeah. It's, you, you, you feel good about it. that. That's the one thing that, I, even even if he had been injured, like having one fifteen hundred yard season under your belt, that that beats out just about anything they got from anybody else. Yeah. Weirdly, the Vikings have not had a lot of second round picks over the last decade. They must trade them. Maybe or... John Elway should have adopted that strategy, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just get a bunch just of avoid players. the round altogether. Just get it. Yeah, just get out of there. Yeah, Worst I mean, one, um, I mean, it's kind of early to say on some of these. Like, I thought Ezra yeah. Cleveland was a reach in 2020, but we'll see. But, I mean, um, Brian O'Neill, I, I liked him coming out, and I thought he's been performing pretty well. Uh, I think he plays right tackle for them. Yeah, that's what I mean. Like, these aren't bad picks, I don't think. I yeah. guess Mackenzie Alexander only ended up – I still played 68 games for him and got three – picks so again like a reach but a hell of a lot more productive than some of these corners denver took sure yeah if you got pick one it it's gotta be mackenzie alexander right it's either him or o'neill or i mean like irv smith just because there hasn't been all that hasn't done much, much yeah yeah but I mean, seven touchdowns isn't bad but this is his year i mean they don't have kyle rudolph now so this True. is this is really irv smith's chance like Ezra Cleveland, just because he hasn't proven to be like a a starter. Yeah. Yeah, only one career start so far. <laughs> but that could be a good thing. You know, it could be a situation where they didn't throw him into the fire too early. So we might be a little premature on that one. But I, I guess Cleveland, kudos to the Vikings for not completely blowing the second round like Denver has. Ever. Third round's yeah. fun too. Yeah, it is. They've got some good de- man. The Vikings have just—it's it had to have been a lot more fun on draft weekend to be a Vikings fan than it has been to be a Broncos fan. But then you're who's, a Vikings, uh, who's yeah. your best third round? Yeah, I don't want to um, win draft day. <laughs> I mean, I do, point. but that's not the goal. Good point. It's, it's been more fun in the playoffs to be a Broncos fan. For me, I think it's Daniel Hunter or Pat Elfline. Yeah. Uh, probably Daniel Hunter though. That's where I'm at too, especially because I'm sure they got like a third round comp pick when he left, right? Or so. no, he just left, and that was he. He must or, have gotten enough money to oh get no, one of the big says, comp stuff. 
Says he's on the Vikings still. I think he is. I, I don't know. I thought he left too. Maybe he left and came I, back. I think he did. I think that's I think that's what happened. I think he was a free agent. Um for some reason I Yeah, I wanted to say he was a Seahawk, but I think he just left and came back uh this next year, which I mean good for them. Yeah. I mean, there's not like anybody that's an absolute like home run. Um, Jarek McKinnon, honestly, was pretty productive for them for a couple of years. It's like their number two running back, pat, catch the ball out of the backfield type guy, but probably reach in the third round. I don't, I don't want to say he's a, like a bad pick, but that might be my pick for blown third round pick. Looks like Scott Crichton. A yeah, defensive end, who I don't remember. Yeah, twenty-one games, no sacks, no real production. Only played two yeah. seasons with the team. Yeah, yeah, he's the worst. That, that I think he only played two seasons overall. Eesh. still better than that one dude we got in the fourth round. The <laughs> dude that we <laughs> forgot his name again. Yeah, I can't even remember his name. His name. <laughs> Carlos Henderson. Oh, and no, two. I guess there have been more than one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, this is just pain. Yeah, we uh, already did this. Um, we don't need to think through this again. That hurts. Fourth round, though? Uh, um, who was the guy? Uh, Jarius Wright from 2012. Willie I, Beavers in 2016. Only played in two games. Tackle out of Western Michigan. That's not a good pick. Um... I think, I mean, I think it's got to be Jerry's right. I mean, I don't really. Or Gerald Hodges. Maybe, I mean, you have Troy Dye and James Lynch drafted last year, so we'll see, but yikes. <laughs> yeah. The fourth round hasn't been as solid. We gave him a lot of praise for the first three rounds, but I mean, they took like Christian Ballard and oh, I guess that was 2011. That was the year before, so I can't penalize him for that one. Um Julio Johnson Allison? became a full-time starter last year. There you go. That's, I mean, that's what you want out of a fourth rounder, right? Developmental yeah. starter. Yeah. It's not Ben Getty on. <laughs> no. <laughs> I'll, yeah, I'll, I'll take Julio Johnson. Shout out Julio. Who's your guys' worst, worst pick? Like Jalen Holmes, maybe defensive end in 2018. Mm-hmm. One sack in 25 games. Uh, Tyler Conklin, the tight end, didn't do much either. 32 catches, 329 yards, one touchdown. Willie Beavers was out of the league after his first year. Hard to argue against that. Yep. I I mean, for all I know, it's injuries. These these late round Minnesota picks. No, yeah, I mean, I think our audience knows it at this point. Like, it, we can, you know, we'll talk. We can talk Christian Barrisaw, Dalvin Cook, Justin Jefferson all day. But when you're talking about flyers that the Minnesota Vikings took in the fifth through seventh rounds ten years ago, like we're Speaking just looking at which, the numbers. Greg Childs, wide receiver, fourth round pick in 2012, also done after his first year. Yep. Yikes. Let's um. Let's just. Let's go through these last ones a little bit faster yep. just because, like, we don't really know any of these names anyways. Um, fifth round, anybody stand out to you, good or bad, over the years? Uh, one guy, Mr. Stefan Diggs. Solid. Yeah. He's had a pretty good career. I'd say so. 
Obviously, um, I mean, did they? What did away, they get for him in that trade? Do you guys remember? I think they got, made out pretty well, at got, least compared to like what Julio. I got a one. For. Yeah, I think I first. think it was just straight across because then they used that pick for uh, Justin Bad Jefferson. Or that's Jefferson, what I thought. That's who it is. Let's see. That's pretty good, man. You get all the production that you had out of Diggs. He wants his way out. You flip him, and then you land the next Stefan Diggs for your franchise. Like that's a that's a pretty successful half decade run there. That is. Ooh. So the Bills gave up a first, fifth, and sixth last year, and a fourth, Ooh. fourth this year, and got a seventh in return. So not bad. That's a haul. Yeah. Uh, maybe this isn't so bad. They're, they're a fifth round punter. Who yep. only spent five years in the league? That's a bad pick because punter, you're. I mean, that's the earliest you can draft a punter, really. And you really I mean, that's before to, you like can you, draft a punter, I think. Like Riley Dixon is kind of proof of when that goes mm-hmm. really wrong. Yeah, maybe he was like seventh round, wasn't he? He was, but he still. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't even worth that. True. Uh, McCole Pruitt, another decent fifth-round pick, a guy that's pretty much a blocking tight end for the Titans now, but he's been in the league uh, playing since 2015. That's a win. Yeah. It's longer than the average NFL career, and if you make it longer than the average as a fifth-round pick, I think that's a success. Yep. Um, Sixth round, anybody stand out to you guys? Kind of going through here just real quick. No. But remember Maurice Bowringer? I remember Maurice Bowringer. <laughs> oh, they also got Daniel Carlson, the kicker in the fifth round. Um, oh, not bad. Yeah, he's panned out to an extent. Bit, I mean, kicking in Minnesota has not been a friendly thing over the years. Exactly. But. <laughs> I mean, and we're getting the sixth round here. So Blair Walsh, I guess, is that going to be your best sixth rounder? Yeah. I got it. Uh, yeah. Probably, yeah. Uh, I mean, he start. He's, if you get a starter out of the sixth round, it's hard to say that's a fail, even with what happened in that playoff game. And I remember him being really good as a rookie too. So he was good that whole season. That's what made that playoff thing so. And it was the same thing with you know Mortensen in the late '90s. He was consistent all year, and yeah. then just blew it in the biggest moment possible. And that's a Vikings. That's being a Vikings fan in a nutshell. Like it's you're one play away constantly. You lose on freaking this crazy saints game you lose on the missed field goal games like it's tough being a vikings fan yeah at the same time though like i never looked at those teams and was like that's a team that should win a super bowl you know and i mean i was around in the 90s for those teams but like even recently like yeah they have a good defense the offense is solid but i never thought like this is a top two three team in the league Culpepper and Randy Moss not even making a Super Bowl, I think, is a disappointment. Just because they had a prime deep throwing quarterback, somebody that was perfectly True. suited for that roster, and you had the greatest deep ball wide receiver to ever play the game and didn't even make yeah. a Super Bowl. All right, seventh round. Um, they got old BC Johnson out of Colorado State, my guy I, born out yep. of um, Lakewood. I mean, he's produced, he's had a really nice career. A guy I wanted to end up in Denver. Um, again, I am biased. I've known him since he was in the seventh grade. Uh, most of these other guys, I I don't even know who they are. Just being honest, like Edmund Robinson, like linebacker Stephen out of Weatherly. the of Newberry. Yeah, you ever heard of Shamar's, Newberry? Shamar Stephen. He's, there we go. He's a starter. Yeah, that's I mean, a win. 
that's a huge win. Yeah. I mean, they're seventh round guys, right? Exactly. <laughs> Take it with a grain of salt, but in the seventh round. I think, you know, we pretty much covered it. I think we gave people a, a pretty good idea. I'd say overall Peyton probably more successful, at least in terms of the first four rounds over the last decade, LA maybe with a little bit more success in the later rounds. Um, this was kind of fun though. It was interesting to see like how they, how they did it and how the teams differ. It kind of feels like the Vikings had more of a draft identity than Denver. Like Denver, it kind of seems like, sure. like a hodgepodge each year, you know, like, I don't know, Cody Latimer, this, that, whereas the Vikings were like, if there's a good corner, we're going to take him. I, this might be a hot take, but I almost think the Broncos have drafted better. Like, like when you just run through these Vikings classes, they don't really stick out. I guess they don't have any like huge duds, but they do have like 2015 Trey Waynes, Eric Kendricks, Daniel Hunter, Stephon Diggs. That's really solid. But outside of that, like, there's really nothing you look at and say, like, wow, what a class. Yeah, I think the Vikings really have just been more flashy. I mean, I think they've had a lot more first-round picks. They've had a lot more movement and trading around. So um, they've been picking higher more often than the Broncos. Also true. Uh, but, yeah, I mean, I guess that's kind of the the thing about John Elway is that his – his later round picks are actually fairly decent as much. I mean, I don't know how much credit you can directly give him for that, but especially when you compare it to these Viking classes who, yeah, they had Stefan Diggs, Yeah. They had some other guys on day two, but they never really had as many hits. I don't think as Elway did in those later rounds. I don't, I don't know. I just think they had less high profile bus early. Like that's you know, true. It's, it's not four straight years of like, we don't have a single player that's played a snap taken out of the second round in like a half decade like that. That's a massive failure. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Looking back at it, I think they did take less or fewer risks than the Broncos did, especially when it comes to project players. I mean, you're not seeing like the Sam Brylos or the Brendan Langley's on day two as much with these Viking classes. So um, I think that's something that Peyton kind of already brought over though. Uh, to the Broncos. I mean, he got some really solid football players on day two this year. Uh, guys that I think could, you know, come in and potentially have an impact this year, but further down the line for sure. Man, I love, I really love this 2021 Broncos class. I, I'm trying not to get, you know, too excited. At, you know, don't count your eggs before they've hatched that type of deal. But I just, man, especially with like what we did in the third round, getting Miners and Baron Browning and then going getting Stearns and Jamar Johnson, even Seth Williams, who I talked trash about, but was productive enough. And I understand the draft pick. Like I, I feel really good about this draft class, especially just kind of thinking about Peyton's resume and, and with how some of these guys have panned out. I feel really good about like the, the couple before that too. 2020 with Judy Hamler, yeah. OJ Moody, Cushenberry, McTelvin and Jeem. I'm, I'm probably in the minority at this point, but I'm excited to see him play. Albert O's mm-hmm. in there too. Tyree Cleveland's in there. Sternod's in there. Like the, even the year before that was Fant, Reisner, Locke, Draymond. Uh, I guess that cuts well, off in there. 2018. You but, got but those are guys Sutton, I'm excited so. to see still. Yeah. And the yeah. year before that, yeah. I think there's another step for Chubb. I think there's another step for Sutton. Maybe not. You know, much. You know, these last few well, I'm excited about. I think there's a common thread in all these decent draft classes. And that's when. Gary Kubiak was kind of in the fold with the team, right? 
I mean, you go back to the the 2015 class, even though it wasn't necessarily yeah. flashy, you got some contributors there. Um, and then 2017, it kind of fell off a cliff when Kubiak was gone. And then he comes back to be the right-hand man to Elway. I think it was 2018. And that's when kind of when you see it tick back up. So, uh, and he's he was a common thread with the Vikings uh, last year and the year before too, wasn't he? So just interesting to see. Yeah. Would you would you going back in 2018? Would Bradley Chubb still be the pick, given no. how it played out with those quarterbacks and even Quentin Nelson? I think there's probably an argument for him over Chubb at this point. Yeah, I, I mean, you you take Josh Allen. I, yeah, I think you ha- I think you'd have to or Lamar. Outside even, of that, though, but, I mean, just looking through like the first round, there aren't many guys I take over Chubb. Like I, Quentin Nelson's a conversation. Roquan, I still take Chubb. Um, I mean Minka. Um, Minka's the guy who I was pounding the table for in 2018, and I still think he yeah. would have been a better fit for what that defense needed at the time. But I mean Chubb's such a stud. I don't, it it kind of feels like Sertan a little bit in a sense, where it's just like he's such a good player. Sure. He's hard to pass up on and risk, but obviously now you you run the risk of. Justin Fields being the next Josh Allen where we're sitting here two years from now, like, well, Sertan is amazing, but we still don't have a quarterback. Would you, I mean, this isn't how things fell. Would you have taken Darnold over Chubb looking back? I think so. I think so. Just, just given where the roster was at the time and I'm, I'm trying to go back into the headspace for this draft and I was really surprised that the Broncos even picked at five. I mean, it really kind of reminds me of this last draft. I mean, I thought they would have picked a quarterback or traded back, if anything, and they ended up taking a defensive player, which is exactly what happened in 2018. So maybe the best defensive player of both classes, like just being realistic, but the argument is just what, how much success has that actually translated to over the last couple of years? And how much success is it going to translate to down the line? Whereas we all know, like, if you have an impactful quarterback, you know, a top 10 QB in the league, which Josh Allen probably is at this point, I think, you know, that's not that bold of a take of me to say. I mean, I think we're probably in a better position, unfortunately. Yeah. I yeah. I honestly think, looking back, I'd still, you I still think still? I'd rather have Chubb than Darnold. Because Darnold just gets you back in that spot where it's like, do we have a quarterback? Do we not have a quarterback? And well, the, the, tough, the tough part yeah. with Darnold is the question is, is it him or is it Adam Gase yeah. and the being so there inept as a as franchise well. with the Jets? But then on the other hand, you can say the same thing about Allen and Lamar. I don't know if the Broncos really had the coaching in place to really turn Josh Allen or Lamar Jackson into what they are now um, if sure. they were drafted to the Broncos. Well, they would, have, they would have completely had to change their identity offensively either way. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I, I'm, I'm, yeah, because I wouldn't going back to the Chubb thing though. Like, I would today, I would not trade Chubb for Darnold, and no. I don't think that's a hot take in any way. No, seeing how their careers have panned out, exactly, like, you know, but it's tough. I think oh, Darnold's gonna have a good year with the Panthers, I, I really do, just with the talent around him. But he should. Yeah, it's I'm now or never, right? Like, if you can't if you can't produce with this receiving core and Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield for however long, and hopefully they figure out a way to reduce some of his touches just to keep him on the field. But 
this is by far the, the best group he's ever played with and not even close. Yeah. Coaches too. Yeah, uh, coaches. That's compared to the Jets too, though. And like the Panthers, they won like, it was a five win team last year without Christian McCaffrey. And I'm sure some other things happened. A lot of one possession losses too. Like they were in a lot of games. Okay. Which I is just something I factor because sometimes, I mean, we see it in yeah. college football all the time. Like there's that team that goes six and six or seven and five, but they're 0 and four, 0 and five in one possession games. And then all of a sudden the next year they go like yeah. 10 and two because they win those tight games. Yeah. It's possible. This was fun. This was a fun exercise. It was, I mean, it's the off season. If you guys, if you're listening to this pod, if you're a loyal listener and you have something that you want to hear us debate, you want to, you want us to talk about it, leave it in the comments, you know, comment on the post, tweet at us, uh, go on the DNVR discord. If you're a member, we will get to that. We love interacting with all of you guys. Thank you to everybody that continues to support our content. I mean, the, the amount of downloads that we do on this podcast, even in the off season is it's so cool to see. Like, it's just really cool to see how passionate all of the fans are. And that's why we do this. You know, that's why we create this podcast is for the draft nerds like you, the people that don't just tune in one weekend a year and then forget about it. We all live and breathe this. So I, uh, I hope everybody has a great week. We will be back next week. Hopefully Dre will be back. We're in our zone when we have four people, but I hope you guys enjoyed today. Have a good one.